The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Bible. Open it up to John chapter 10. How many of you have been enjoying uh, the Being Transformed journals? Hasn't that been so cool? It's been so neat, I think, for us to all be on the same page related to the Word. So many great conversations have come out of, of uh, and I think great revelation has come out of this. And so today we're going we're gonna to be reading John chapter 10, which you read, if you're, in, if you're doing the Transformed Journal with us, you read this this week. And we're, we're in this series right now called I Am, where we're looking at the seven I Am statements of Jesus through the book of John. And we said already, remember this, we said that when we learn about who Jesus was and who Jesus is, we're not only discovering who Jesus was, but remember, Jesus is God. So we're not only learning about Jesus, we're learning about God. So in in learning about what Jesus was about, we're learning about what God is about. We're learning what Jesus valued, who Jesus wants to be, we're learning about who God is and who God wants to be. And so this is a very important series for us as a church. And so we've talked about already, we've talked about how how Jesus is bread. He wants to be the bread of life. We've talked about last week, Sarah did a great job talking about how Jesus is light. And today we're going to talk about how Jesus is the door. Look at the person beside you and say, Jesus is the door. Jesus is the door. door. Okay, so as we look at this today, are you guys with me today? If you're with me today, say, I'm I'm with you. I know, we've been, I know last week you were at home watching and you probably weren't amen and shouting at the TV, you know, but I need you to be shouting at me today, all right? We're going to get engaged today, all right? If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Okay, so Jesus, let me, let me set this up for you a little bit. As Jesus, we look at this, it's important that you understand context because it's really important to what we're going to read here today. Jesus is talking to a group of people. And the group of people he's talking to is his disciples, the 12 guys that are with him all the time. He's talking to just the crowd of people that are following him and are trying to learn about him and discover what he's all about. And they're, they're curious as to if this is the Messiah. And then he's also talking to the Pharisees. And if you know about the Pharisees, the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. And they're following Jesus around, but they're not following him around because they want to learn, you know, about his message and, and really discover much more about him than really they're just threatened by him. Like they're really nervous about Jesus, what he's saying. And so everything he says, they seem to be having a problem with it. Everything he's doing, they, they seem to be struggling with it. And so in, in John chapter 10, what we're getting ready to read, you have to remember that John 10 comes after John 9, all right? And in John chapter 9, uh, Jesus does something miraculous. He heals this, this guy who's blind. Like the guy is blind. Blind from birth. Can't see. Has never seen a day in his life. And Jesus heals the guy. It's a miracle, right? That's a miracle. The guy's seeing now. A miracle. And this miracle is shaking up everybody. Like it, it's, it's, it's blowing people away. And the Pharisees hear about this, and they're not, like you would think, like you would think at the least, like they're supposed to be the people of God. Like they know uh, about the Torah, they know about the law, they're, they're supposed to be looking for the Messiah, they're supposed to be that, but when they hear about this, like their heart just displays something that's kind of ugly. Like they, they don't, they're not, like you would think at the very least that they would be like, well, praise God, the guy can see now. Like, that's great. Good for him. He can see. He was blind, and now he could see. But they, but they don't care about that. You, you would think that they might be, because they know the law, and they're supposed to be looking for the Messiah, you think that they might be going, man, only God could do something like this. And, and there is a Messiah. Maybe this is the guy. 
But that's not what, they, what, they're, what they're thinking, not what they're saying. Their, their whole thing, they bring this guy in, they're questioning him, and their problem is, how dare Jesus do this? It was the Sabbath. Yeah. Like, like, that's their heart position. So, so what you see there is they're displaying a heart position that says, we don't really care about people. And, and honestly, they don't really care about really what God's about. Because Jesus was about what God was about. That's what Jesus taught us. He said in John 6, he said, I came only to do the will of the Father. So what Jesus is doing is what God is really about. But they don't care about that. What they care about is their own agenda. They care about protecting what, what the ways that they do things, their rituals, their routines. That's all they really care about. So as you read this, you've got to keep that in mind. All right, look at this with me. John chapter 10, starting in verse 1. It says this, most assuredly I say to you, this is Jesus talking, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, somebody say door, door. talking about Jesus is the door, right? But climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. I want you to, if you have a Bible with you, physical Bible, go ahead and underline thief and robber there. But he who enters by the door, somebody say door, door. is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Look at verse 7. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am. Here it is. Here's the I am statement. I am the door. Somebody say door. I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Verse 9, here it is again. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out. Notice that, in and out, and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come, Jesus came, that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your precious word. We ask you to speak to us through your word today. We pray that, that we would understand what you're about, that we would see you in a, in a better way, have a greater revelation of who you want to be in our life, what you want to do in our life, what you want to do through our life. God, give us, give us wisdom. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord. And we pray what we know not, that you would teach us. What we have not, you would give us. And what we are not, that you would please make us. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this so far, but in, in the last several weeks, as Jesus gives us these I am statements, uh, the things that he attaches to who he is in the natural are very common right? Like Jesus has told us he is the bread and he's told us he's light. And now he says he's the door. And, and if you think about it, doors are a very common thing in our life. Most of the time, you know, we don't even really think about doors that much. In fact, uh, statistically speaking, they say that today, before you got to church, you have gone, you have gone through between 30 and 50 doors just in getting to church today. And you don't even think about it. You're going indoors in your, in your closets, in your pantry, going through doors in your house, getting indoors in your car. Maybe you went into a, a restaurant or a coffee shop. We go through all these doors. You came into doors here in the church. We go through all these doors, and we, we don't really think about it at all because they're just kind of doors are very, very, very common. 
And the only time really we ever think about doors is when we, we go through a door and it's like something bad happens or like you know, maybe you've been there before where you go into the door of a restroom and you discover that you're in the wrong restroom. Like you've gone in the, the women's restroom and you're already going to the restroom and now you're, you're, you're stuck, right? Anybody ever been there before? No one will admit that they've been there before. You people have been there before. Everyone does it. Or maybe you've gone through a door before and like on the other side of that door, like you open it up and on the other side of that door, there's something going on and, and like you, you walk in and like your grandma's changing clothes and so it's a bad day and, I, and you're very, in that moment you're very aware I should not have gone through that door. That was not good. Or maybe you think about a door when you want to go through a door and that door is locked. Like have you ever been locked out of your house before? It's like the worst you're locked out of your home. You want to get in your home. You can't get in your home because you're locked. In, th in those moments, you're very aware of how a door works and what a door does. But most of the time, we don't really think about doors. But when Jesus says, I am the door, that, that statement is so rich in revelation to who Jesus is, what Jesus is about, what he wants to do in your life, and what he wants to do through your life. And so this week, as I was studying this, God gave me kind of uh, four uh, observations related to what doors do that give us revelation to what Jesus wants to do and who he wants to be. So here's the first one. If you're taking notes, write this down. Doors represent transition and access. Doors represent transition and access. You know, when you go through a door, you, uh, going through a door, you, you're able in that moment to, to walk out of one environment and into another and access whatever's on the other side of that door takes place. Like, for example, today when you got to church, you walked into the doors of the church and you walked out of one environment, a cold, wintry kind of day, into the environment of a warm church. Aren't you grateful that we have a heater here at the church? Can I get an amen? Uh, or maybe like on that windy day, you know, we had that crazy windy day, like my trampoline got blown, like the kids' trampoline, like we got up and we were like, where's the trampoline? It was like an acre away. Uh, but things get blown around here in Oklahoma City sometimes. And, and, but you're able to, to come out of the environment of the wind and like get into your car. And in your car, you're able to access an environment where that wind is not taking, is not taking place. Or maybe you're hungry and, and you walk into a restaurant. And when you go into that restaurant, now you can access the menu and the food that that restaurant has. And you can walk in hungry, but you can leave full. Or maybe you're, you're feeling down, you're feeling kind of sad, and you go over to a friend's house, and you go through the door of your friend's house, and you're able to access a relationship, and you can walk out of that, out of that environment feeling loved and feeling, feeling like you, you have a purpose and feeling joy and peace. And it, it all takes place when we go through a door. And so Jesus makes a statement. He says, I am the door. And when Jesus makes a statement, he's pointing us to something. He's pointing us to transition and access. He's pointing us to a transition that's going to take place because of him that's going to give us access to a new level of life with God. You see, Jesus knows what's getting ready to happen. Not everybody else knows this, but Jesus knows. He knows that in a few days, he's going to go to the cross. And he's going to die on the cross for the sins of the world. His blood is going to be shed. He's going to be resurrected into new life. And now through him, we can transition and have new access to God. We can transition. Here's the transition. Out of death into life. We can transition from a place of deadness in our sin to a new life that's found in God. Look at this. John 5, verse 24 says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. 
They will never be condemned for their sins. Isn't that good news? Amen? But they have already, already passed. If you made Jesus Lord of your life, you've already passed from death into life. Because of dead, because of sin, we was dead. Look at the person beside you and say, you was dead. But now through Jesus, you are alive spiritually. God has given you a brand new born again spirit. You're alive in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 5 says, even though we were dead in our sins, we were dead. He, talking about God, gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It, you, you've heard it said before, but it bears repeating. Jesus didn't come so bad people could become good. He came so dead people could come alive. And that's what we all needed. Every one of us needed that because we were dead in our sins. And Jesus made it possible so we could have life. Look back at verse 9. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, that's the access point. He's the access point in. It's only through Jesus. He will be saved. That's the transition. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. That word pasture there means true life. It means you'll find the true life that God is offering, which is a life connected to God. It's the rich and satisfying Zoe life that God wants you to have. It's a life full of purpose. It's a life on mission with God by your side. It's, it's, it's an incredible life. But listen, it's not just a life that we will experience someday in heaven. It's a life God wants us to experience in the here and now on this earth. You see, another incredible transition that took place because of Jesus is we moved from law to grace. And listen, this is such good news. Because before Jesus came, in order for you to relate to God in the Old Testament, there was an old covenant. And that old covenant meant you had to fulfill the Ten Commandments. That's how you related to God. And, and, and here's the problem. No one could do it. Like no one could pull this off. And so since you couldn't pull it off, what you would have to do is once a year, you would have to take an animal, an innocent animal, and you would have to put it on an altar, and it would have to be killed. And it would, its blood would be shed, and the shed blood of that animal would represent your sins being covered, and you could be put back into a place of right standing with God. But, but, but you couldn't fulfill it. Now, now, let me remind you of who Jesus is talking to. Remember what I said at the beginning? He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the group of people around him, these followers. And he's talking to the Pharisees here. And one of the things specifically he's addressing here is this old covenant relationship and how it's about to change. And he's speaking specifically to the Pharisees because the Pharisees have taken this old covenant relationship stuff. And what was hard, they've made it even harder. Like the Ten Commandments, that's hard enough to, to fulfill. That's impossible to fulfill. But then they came along and they added all this stuff to it to the point that at this point in, in, in biblical history, in order for you to be right with God, the Pharisees would tell you there are over 600 commandments you have to fulfill. And if you don't fulfill them perfectly, you ain't right with God. So this was like, this was lifeless relationship with God. It was not a relationship. It was religion. It was routine. It was ritual. And it was hard. And Jesus is saying, hey, this is going to change. And look at what he says in verse 1. Are you with me so far? Yeah. He says, most assuredly, I say to you. Now, remember, he's talking to. He's, I, I think he's looking right at the Pharisees in this moment. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, notice that, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. And so I, I think he's addressing and speaking to these Pharisees here. And he's saying, hey, you guys are, are acting like these thieves and robbers. Because the way you're doing this is, is illegitimate. The way you're doing this 
is wrong. Now, to understand this, you need to understand a little bit about shepherding. We're going to talk a lot about shepherding next week, but let me give you a little bit of wisdom and revelation on shepherding in Bible times. In Bible times, when you had a shepherd and sheep, in order for those sheep to be taken care of, they had to have a shepherd. Like it wasn't like, you know, we have cattle here in Oklahoma and you can just put them on some land and put some fence up and they'll just kind of graze that land and you check on them and take care of them a little bit, but you don't have to be with them all the time. Sheep are not that way. Like sheep are very vulnerable animals that can get into a lot of trouble. Their, their, their defense mechanisms are pathetic. And so they needed, they needed a shepherd with them. And the landscape of Israel was such that in order for them to, to be taken care of, they had to be moved constantly. And so remember Psalms 23 talks about he leads them to green pastures. He leads them to still waters. The, the shepherd had to lead the sheep. And so as, as the year progressed, the sheep would have to be moved further and further away from their home. And so they weren't always able to return to, to the pens and to the sheepfold of their home. And so a lot of times the shepherd would have to build them a sheepfold out wherever they were. And so they would build them something that looked a lot like this. This is kind of what one of these sheepfolds would look like. So it was this, this pen, and it's about two to three feet high with rocks, and then he would usher all the sheep into that, that pen there, that, that sheepfold, and then you would think that after he got them in there, he would fill in the hole in the front with more rocks to kind of close them in, but that's not what he would do. The shepherd himself would actually function as the door of the sheepfold. He would put himself right there and lay across that opening and be the door or the gate into the sheepfold. So let me remind you what he says here. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Jesus says, I'm the door. He says, I'm the way that you go into this place of safety and protection. But he's also addressing there are some people that have infiltrated this the wrong way. And he's also saying there will be people who try to infiltrate this the wrong way. They're going to try to get in some other way. And so any other way outside of the door, outside of the, the true gate, which is Jesus, is illegitimate. You know, when you come to my house, if you were to come to my house today, there's a right way to get into my home. The doors, right? The front door. If you're a guest, you're going to come to the front door. If you try to come in my door, my house some other way, like you try to go through a window, you're like walk, you're trying to get into a window in my house. We're going to have beef. <laughs> like you're trying to get in through the chimney. You ain't Santa Claus. What are you doing? Or you come up with a sledgehammer and you start trying to break down the walls to get into my home. Like that's an illegitimate way to get into my home, right? And what would we say? We would say to somebody trying to do that, like, you probably are up to no good. You're probably a thief and a robber. Jesus is saying, hey, recognize this way of doing it outside of me is going to rob from you. It's going to steal from you. It's going to steal your joy. It's going to steal your peace. It's going to steal real relationship. That's what the Pharisees are doing. That's what they're, they're selling. And so Jesus says it's about to change. And Jesus, what's he going to do? He's going to go to the cross. And what's he going to be? He's going to be the lamb that is slain for all of our sins. Once and for all, a sacrifice is going to be made through Jesus Christ. And now, what we couldn't do, fulfill the law, Jesus did. And now, by putting our faith and our trust in him through grace, now we can step outside of this old way of doing things, which was like we got to do it in our own performance. We got to do it in our own works. Now we can step into this new, we can step through this new door of Jesus Christ by grace and we can have right standing with God. Can I get an amen? amen. Isn't that good? This is how God put it to me this week. Look, put that up there, guys. Because of Jesus, 
We can walk with faith and hope through the door, Jesus, that is framed by grace. You know, when you walk up to a door, a door typically has a frame around it. The frame of this door is grace. When we walk up to the door of Jesus, we can approach that door because of the grace of God. Grace is unmerited favor. It's, it means it's not about what you do, it's about what Jesus has done. He's done the work. You're right, standing with God is based on him, not based on you. Grace and access, the presence of God. You can be close to God. You can have a relationship with God where we can find salvation. We can be saved and true life for this life and the life to come. You should be a lot more excited than you are. My friends, Jesus is the door. He is the door. We can transition out of death into life. We can transition out of, out of law into grace. Like this is the best news ever. It's not about your performance. It's not about you, you crossing every T, dotting every I, ticking every box. It's that Jesus did that. He did it. He lived perfect for you. He died a sinner's death even though he never sinned so that you could exchange your death for his life. It is incredible news. Verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door if anyone enters by me. He will go in and out. Notice that, in and out, and he'll find pasture. I said that word pasture, it means life, but it also means this. It means growth and increased. So, so think back about that sheepfold. It's through Jesus Christ that we can go into a place of safety and protection and fellowship through Jesus, and it's also through Jesus Christ that we can go out into a place of growth and increase and continue. It's through Jesus. It's by grace that we're saved through Jesus, through faith in Jesus. Everything you need, listen, everything you need for life and godliness is found in Jesus. It's through Jesus that you have access to God. It's through Jesus that you can be connected to the person of the Holy Spirit who not only wants to be with you in life, but wants to provide you with the power to overcome. It's through Jesus Christ that you can have healing in your body. It's through Jesus Christ you can have peace in your mind. It's through Jesus Christ. It's by grace we are saved through Jesus Christ. All you need for life is found in the door of Jesus. Such good news. So number one, we're, we're able to move out of, of death and into life, we're able to do this through the door. Doors represent transition and access, and that's what Jesus made possible for us. Here's number two. Doors create security and protection. Doors, through doors, we're able to have security and protection. You know, doors do something. I don't know if you thought about this before, but through a door, you can, you can lock certain things in, and you can also lock certain things out. Like, if you've got stuff in your home that's valuable and precious to you, it's through doors that we're able to secure those things, like your, like your children. If you've got children, hopefully you see them as valuable and precious, right? And, and I remember, it's not so much the case anymore, my kids are bigger now, but when they were little, we had to be, like, vigilant about closing the doors and locking the doors of our home, because if we accidentally left a door open, one of those little suckers was going to sniff it out and they were going to go out that door and they didn't know where they were going, but they were going. And on several occasions, we, are, we realized like our kids are gone and we're running around our neighborhood screaming some child's name because we can't find them. I promise you we're good parents. We just have adventurous kids. But, but the doors allow us to protect what's precious, to guard and lock up the things that are valuable and precious to us. But it's also through doors that we're able to lock certain things out. You know, there's stuff in the world that would want to get into your home, thieves and robbers and like where we live, there's animals that might try to break into our home, like snakes. Aren't you grateful ladies, doors keep out the snakes, amen? Yeah. 
Like you don't want a snake in your home. That's not good. Lizards, little varmints. You don't want that stuff in your home. That's stuff that might want to get in, but through doors, we're able to lock that stuff out. Jesus says, I am the door. Jesus is a place of security and protection. It's through Jesus that we're able to, to lock inside of us things that, that, that are valuable and precious. Things like peace. Things like true joy. Things like real purpose. We're able to, to lock those things up inside of us through the door of Jesus. We're also able to, to lock up our life from, from the attacks of the enemy and from a world that would try to infiltrate and, and do damage and destruction to our life. It's through the door. Remember what, what Jesus said in John 10 verse 1. He talks about a thief and a robber. And then in verse 10 he says, The thief does not come except to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Listen, there really is a real devil and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. Like he's looking for opportunities. He's looking for open door opportunities to come in. And, and the way he wants to destroy you is like total destruction to the point that you just surrender over to him your life. You're like you're so destroyed that you just give up and surrender the rest of your life over to him. That's the kind of damage he wants to do to you. So that's the thief, but also realize that the thief is not just the devil, it's anyone that's kind of functioning and operating with the devil's agenda. And in this moment, remember, Jesus is talking to these Pharisees. And one of the things the Pharisees are doing is that they're, they're, they're stealing from people. They're stealing people of real relationship. They're stealing people. Uh, they're, they're robbing people of, of being able to have the kind of connection. And, and like they're all about the Sabbath, but they're really not about rest. They're about rules and regulations. And, and, and so, and, and listen, we live in a world today where we buy into this, this kind of like Pharisee mentality because the Pharisee mentality, listen, this is what it was. It's about your performance. It's about you doing everything perfectly. But I need you to understand something this morning. Your acceptance with God is not based on your productivity. Like your, your acceptance with God is based on the work of Jesus Christ. He's the door. He's the door we enter into the presence of God through. It's not based on you getting it all right. It's based on what he has done. Jesus has made a way for you. I love what Hebrews 13, 8 says. Talking about Jesus, it says that, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I love that. Actually, that's not Hebrews 13.4. I'm saying the wrong verse. Hebrews 13.4 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So think about that. There's real security and protection. If you really understand what Jesus is saying there, it's incredible security and protection in that. Let's break it down. He's the same yesterday. So what that means is, understand this, Jesus yesterday took care of your yesterdays. Jesus went to the cross, he died on the cross, and when he did, he put a death blow to sin. And because he put a death blow to sin, the sins of your past have been put to death through Jesus Christ. And so now you can exchange that death for life. So your yesterdays have been dealt with. You don't, you don't have to look at all the mistakes of your past and live from that place of all the mistakes of your past. Your yesterdays have been dealt with. You can find security that my, my life with God is not based on the mistakes of my past. It's based on the work of Jesus. He's the same today. You know what he, he is today? He is with you today. He wants to be with you. He wants to lock arms with you and walk with you. And because of that, now we can have faith for today. We can have faith and hope in our future. He's the same yesterday. He's with us today. And because he's, he's, he's with us, we know that he'll always be with us. 
because he never changes. So he'll be with you forever, and your forever is taken care of in Christ Jesus. Yesterday, today, and forever. And when we come to really realize that and recognize that, there's such freedom in that, such protection, such security for our life is found in Jesus Christ. In a world with so much uncertainty, we have a certain God and a certain promise that our God is with us. Amen? Here's number three. Through doors, we welcome. Through doors, we welcome. A few years ago, or actually this past year, uh, we got a new door at our house. Uh, We bought a a house a couple years ago. It was built in 1989. And when we bought it, um, it hadn't been touched since 1989. It's got a nice house, good bones, but we knew there was some work that was going to need to be done because Sarah's style is not circa 1989. So, so we've been kind of going through the house and, and reworking things and fixing it up and making changes to it. And one of the things we knew we were going to have to change when we bought this house was the front door. The front door is like the definition of janky. Like it was so bad. This big black front door that looked like the front door of a haunted mansion. Like stuff was falling off it and there was like water damage to the bottom. And when you opened it up, it made this terrible sound and it was just the worst. Like when people would come over, like even the FedEx guys, like dropping off a pack and we're just like, we're sorry, we're, we're, we're going to get this fixed. Don't worry about it. I don't know you, but just so you know, this is not our standard of living. So, but, but here's the thing. Like, I don't know if you've ever looked into this, but a front door ain't no joke. Like, especially like a, this is a big front door. They, they, they're a little pricey. And so we were saving up for this. And finally, this last year, like we got this new door put in, iron door with glass in it. It's really awesome. And the day we bought it, Sarah went shopping to complete the door. So she went out, she bought mats, she got like plants and planters and a wreath, and she created this environment in the front door that is welcoming to the world. Why? Because that's what doors represent. Like front doors are a place of welcoming. You know, you go to grandma's house, go see Grammy and Grampy, and you walk up to their house and, and you greet them at the door, and you, you, have, you exchange hugs, and, and then you walk into the house, or, or you have someone, you know, coming over, that's been out of, out of state, or maybe they're, they're away at, at college, or maybe they're on a military leave, and they're coming home. You, you greet them at the door, and you, you, you welcome them into your home, or maybe you're having friends over for a game night. It's, it's at the door where you greet them, and you welcome them in. And Jesus says, I am the door. So, so Jesus is the door. My question to you is, are you greeting people and bringing people to the door? You know, a lot of times at the door of our home, we have a mat. And most of the time, the mat at the front of our house, we call it a welcome mat. And a lot of times it'll actually say welcome on it. But, but I wonder, for some of you, if we were to, if you were inviting people to the door of your life, the door of Jesus, what would your mat say? What would your mat look like? For some of you, your mat might say something like this. No, not that that (laughs) nope I I, I feel like I've kind of noticed in the past year or so there's this mentality related to some Christians it's like it feels like they, they feel like their job is to protect the kingdom of God from people who don't belong it's like nope like you're you're not welcome here like you know you didn't vote the way I vote so you, you, you're a nope, like you, you don't get to come in here. You don't look the way I look. 
you don't talk the way I talk. You, you, this is a hot mess. And you, you need to get this figured out. And then, then you can come in. It's like we're, we're afraid that some of these people are going to track dirt into the carpet of the kingdom. <laughs> Listen, your job is not to protect the carpet of the kingdom from dirty people that are sinners in the world. Your job is to welcome people. Because let me just remind you of something. They can't get cleaned up outside the door. It's, it's through the door. It's on the other side of the door that they're actually able to get the cleanup that they need. It's through the door. It's through Jesus. They, anything else, we're saying, hey, perform some works, and then you can get saved. It's, that's a Pharisee. It's through Jesus. So listen, our job is not to say, hey, get this fixed, and then you can come through. Our job is to say, hey, you need fixing. Let me invite you. Let me welcome you to the door of Jesus. It's by grace through Jesus that you can be Say Maybe for some of you, the mat at your door would say something like this. It would say, busy. I'm busy. I got a lot going on right now. Really, like I'm grinding. I'm working. I'm trying to build a career, trying to build a life. I got a lot of school stuff going on. I got tryouts next week. I got TPS reports to fill. I got stuff to do. I can't, I don't have time. I don't have time for you right now. I don't have time for... For, for this, I got I to gotta keep my head down right now. I read this quote this week. I think some of us need to wrestle with a little bit. It says this, the first important act of self-denial for 21st century followers of Jesus may be to say no to being too busy to be a disciple. And we live in a world that's very busy, and busyness is looked at as a badge of honor. I can't even think about like guys will come up to each other and be like, hey man, how you doing? Oh, I've been busy. Yeah, me too. Cool. It's like, we're busy. That's good. And, and I get it, like, you know, you'd rather be busy than not doing anything. But I think if we're not careful, like, we buy into this idea that, like, busyness is what life is all about, and we need to do more and make more and accomplish more so we can become more. And, and the problem is, at what cost? Are, are we so busy that there's no room in our life to welcome people to the door, to Jesus? If you're too busy for, for lost people, you're busier than God wants you to be. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 5, 16. He said, keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. If there's no room in your life for the Great Commission, you're, you're being too busy. You're busier than God wants you to be. We need to be people that are welcoming people to the door of Jesus. Maybe for some of you, if you put out the welcome mat, if you're really being honest, your welcome mat would say something like this. Don't care. Like if you're really being real, I think a lot of Christians are, are suffering from this idea of like, I'm an apatheist. I'm an apatheist. Like I, I, I'm, I, I don't care. It's not, if it's not affecting me, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. And that's, that's a you problem. Like I'm sorry you're lonely. I'm sorry you're hurting. I'm sorry you're sick. I'm sorry you're struggling. But I'm not. So, you know, good luck with that. Sorry your life is a mess, but it, it's not touching me, so. Like, racism isn't touching me, so. Who, you know, that's, that's, that's on you, and you probably just need to get over that. Sex trafficking is not touching me, it's not touching mine, so that's somebody else's problem. But let me just remind you, like, you know, the sin problem was not Jesus' problem. That was a human problem. But Jesus made it his problem. 
Like Jesus wasn't up in heaven struggling with sin. But he came down to the world sinless and he made sin his problem. Why? Because he cared about people. And we're disciples. So people who are practicing the way of Jesus have to look at the issues that are facing the world around us and not just say, that's a you problem. We have to be willing to say, I'm going to get in the middle of this and I'm going to ask God what he's asking me to do about the problems that are facing the world. You, you tracking with me this morning? Jesus made you, listen, let me, let me say it this way. Jesus made you new through Christ so you could be a part of the solution. You're called to be a part of the solution. And yet, God forgive us. Sometimes as Christians, we're, we're a part of the problem. We're not, we're not shining the light of Jesus. We're not opening the door. We're slamming doors in the face of people who are lost and broken and hurting because they don't know Jesus. We've got to fix this church. We've got to fix it. We've got to be who God's called us to be. Look at this, Micah 6, 8. I encourage you to read this verse this week. Think about this verse this week. Oh, man. Look at this. What is good? So God's about to show us what is good. It takes it a step further. And what does the Lord require of you? So this is what God's saying is good and required. Okay, you ready? Here we go. But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. How you doing with that? We need to wrestle these kind of verses to the ground in our life sometimes because we're not always doing good. But God wants us to love kindness, to be kind, to do justice. We're to do these works. That's a you problem is not a phrase that should come out of a person who's saying, I am practicing the way of Jesus. That's not a disciple mentality. We got to do better church. Through doors, we welcome. How are you doing with that? Are you welcoming lost people? Are you welcoming broken people? Are you looking at the problems of this world and saying, I'm going to be a part of the solution because Jesus made me new so I could be. Here's number four, and it kind of goes along with that. Out of doors, we go. Out of doors, we go. Look back at John 10, verse 3. Jesus says to him, the gatekeeper or the doorkeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. So this is talking to us. If you're a Christian, we hear, we're able to hear the voice. We're able to hear the call of God. And he calls his own sheep, that's us, by name. And look at this, leads them out. Leads them out. Now this is really interesting. When, when it, this phrase here that talks about he leads them out, uh, it addresses this idea of being led out into the world with a destination of heaven. And the connotation of this verse is that it's, it's the shepherd talking to his sheep. So the shepherd being Jesus, we're going to learn about that next week, he, I, I am the good shepherd, and his sheep being the flock, it's, it's us. So this idea is that under the direction of the shepherd, Jesus, the flock, the people of God, the church of God, are going out into the world and they're leading people towards heaven. So listen, it's not enough to just put out a mat that says welcome and then sit in our churches and wait for people to show up. We got to go out into the world, find the people who are broken and lost and say, hey, follow me. There's a door over here framed by grace and there's a door that's open to you through Jesus Christ so that you can step into new life. You can step out of your death into this new life that Jesus has for you. You can step out of just trying to do this in your own, own performance and you can count on the performance of the cross of Jesus Christ and what it can represent to you. But we gotta go. Jesus said it like this. He said that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. 
everyone. And he didn't say, hey, go if you're an adult. He didn't say, go if you got it all figured out. Like this call is to everyone. This call, if you're a student, it's for you. Go into your world, go into your school and and reach out to those people. This call is is for us in our workplaces. That we go into our workplaces, we go into these environments, we go into these coffee shops, we go into these places and we say, hey, there's a door over here and it's open to you. And and it it can take care of everything. See, here's the thing. I'll give you, I'm giving away an I am statement coming up, but I have to in order for you to understand this. Jesus says this in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, the reality is Jesus is the door in, and he's the only door in. He's the only way in. He's the only way out of death into life. He's, he's the only way. Acts 4.12 says, uh, salvation is found in no one else. Recognize no one else isn't just some other person. It's also you. Like you can't do it in yourself. It's not found in you. It's, it's found only in Jesus. It's found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It's only through the name of Jesus. He is the door. He is the way. And on the other side of this door is in it's incredible what God offers us. Life, like rich, abundant life. Life connected with God. Like that alone right there. Like read the Old Testament. You, you couldn't be connected to God. God, you had to be distant because listen, God is holy. So holy that a sinner in his presence gets like melted. <laughs> but Jesus made us free from sin. So now we can come into a place like this worship and God shows up and we don't all get melted. Praise God for that. (laughs) We can experience the presence of God. Why? Because of Jesus. By grace, we're saved through faith in Jesus Christ. He made that possible. You can have a a relationship with God, not religion, not what the Pharisees were offering, not like do this, do that, do all this perfect. No, no, relationship. You can have that with God through Jesus. You can can have your past dealt with through Jesus Christ, your sins washed away. You can become a new creature in Christ Jesus. You can find purpose through Jesus, real purpose that's that's satisfying and rich to your life. You, You can have power over your weakness, the stuff that's overcoming you that you know is wrong, that you know you need to deal with. It's through Jesus Christ that we can experience the power of the Holy Spirit and the fellowship of the family of God to overcome the stuff that's overcoming. There's so much on the other side of the door, but we got, you got to go through the door. It's the only way in. There's no other way. It's only through Jesus. But the good news is the door is open. The door is available for anyone who's willing to call upon the name of the Lord. Isn't this beautiful? John 10, 9, I am the door, Jesus says. If anyone enters by me, anyone enters by me, he will be saved. You can be saved. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, Go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.